You're listening to episode 103 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. Would you guys believe I just got out of the chicken nugget line from NYCC? (laughs) (laughs) These chicken strips? These chicken strips are stale as hell. (laughs) They were out of ranch dressing. I don't know what the poor bastards behind me are going to do. They're going to be there for another month. (laughs) Until the next convention comes through? Probably. uh, November's anime uh, anime fest, so maybe. And by then, they'll have fresh chicken nugs. Man, I should have (laughs) waited. You know, um, it's funny because at some point during New York Comic Con, someone, I I honestly cannot remember who it was at this point, but someone confused Thompson from the Video Game Pals for Kale. Oh. You guys recall that? Yeah, I think it was. Oh, your hair is so long now. (laughs) I think it was Gavin, right? Maybe? No. No, I don't think so. I, I really don't remember who it was. I think it was Bouchard. (laughs) <laughs> no, I, I think he made a joke about it online, but like I'm yeah. pretty sure it was Gavin, like who we interviewed. Oh, who, who actually did it? Yeah, like he oh. he was like looking at our shirts and he was like, "Oh man, your hair is way longer now." Oh, I think so. Yeah, like, That's okay. incredible. Thompson could never replace me. <laughs> Thompson started making a joke about it all weekend, where he's like, "Yes, hello, I'm a replicant here to replace Kale." <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was already a joke. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. He then, was going to be the replacement on the episode. Right. Right. Then I was like, oh, we've been making that joke all weekend. Ha, ha, ha. And then, you know, I guess Gavin ended up. Uh, we're talking about Gavin Smith, the uh, comic book creator, um, who we interviewed. And that interview is actually up right now if you want to go check that out. Go check it out. Alongside a ton of other stuff. Uh, our guys have done a great job of getting our New York Comic Con interviews out on time. They are up. Uh, I think we're missing like two still to go. Um, But they should be up by the time you're listening to this. Right. And so I hope so. And so there's a (laughs) lot of good stuff out there for you guys to check out. Uh, And you guys that have seen it already, a lot of you have done a really great job of commenting, uh, whether it's been on Reddit or on YouTube or wherever. We've gotten some really good comments on a lot of our content. So we appreciate that very much. Um, hey, let me just uh, throw do a shout out to you guys uh, who you know weren't standing in a chicken nugget line the whole time. Uh, way to cover that! Like you guys killed it, and the way this uh, the way this machine has rolled out uh, this whole time is impressive. Like, thank you, Kale. Not to uh, not to toot our own horn because I don't have anything to do with it, but no, definitely. <laughs> like we're please toot my horn. We slash yeah. you are getting a lot better at this. Yeah, we we need that kind of validation. So since we're not getting it from the outside world, it's it's very nice <laughs> to receive it from someone within our circle who understands the struggle. Uh, so that's a great plug. But in addition to that, we've got a ton of other stuff that I want to talk about before we dive into the meat of the show. And I promise you guys, this is going to be a meaty show. There is so much to talk about. And I'm very excited about it all. But we are on SoundCloud. We are on Apple Podcasts, we are on most podcast hosting platforms. Uh, We are not uh, cool enough to be on Spotify yet, but one day we will be cool. Uh, We are working on it. Maybe episode 200 will be cool enough. Um, You can find us on social media at The Comics Pals. 
Uh, you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. And of course, as we talked about, we've got a bunch of stuff on YouTube. So you absolutely want to be over there right now. A uh, bunch of interviews from New York Comic Con. And on top of that, we also have the latest installment of Fill Me In coming this week. We've got our impressions from the Tales of Mystery, Surviving the Nightmare World board game, which is coming out. Uh, and we've got another installment of our vlog coming out. Uh, we, we do these when we go to these conventions. We kind of put a bunch of different content together. Pete does a great job with that stuff. So we're very, yes, absolutely. We're very excited to present all of that to you guys. While you're on our YouTube channel, be sure to like this video or any other videos that you are watching. Drop us a comment. Let us know your thoughts on whatever the video is that you're watching. And of course, share with your friends and subscribe to our channel. All of those things are free to do and they help us out a lot more than they cost you. So Head over there and do that, and make sure to click the notification bell so that you are made aware when our stuff drops. Now, we're talking about comments, we're talking about people reacting to what we do, and we have a comment that we want to read here uh, from somebody on our Four Kids Walking to a Bank book club. So, Pete, take it away. All right, so our first comment comes from Ryan Klubeck. Uh, over on the 4Kids video, who says, Hey guys, I looked up 4Kids Walk Into a Bank after hearing one of you mention it on an old pal's podcast. When I eventually bought it, I was pleased to read all the wonderful praise from some of my favorite comics writers on the back cover. However, I'm sorry to say that I wasn't too crazy about it. <gasps> no. <laughs> As a as I read it, I kept thinking, why does everyone think this is so great? So when Sean said he didn't really take to it either, I felt better. I agree with a lot of what you said, Sean, and I'd like to add a few thoughts, some of which you or even the other pals might share. One positive thing I will say about Four Kids is that tonally, it picks a lane and it stays in it. Right from the start, it establishes itself as a book that doesn't take itself too seriously, and it generally makes good on that promise. So in that regard, it's, it's, it succeeds. However, that being said, I think it's a little too goofy for its own good. The book seems to care more about spectacle than creating memorable characters or a meaningful narrative. It clearly wants you to care about Paige and her relationship with her dad, but it just never happened for me. Also, while the book is pretty damn funny at times, some clear attempts at humor just took me out of the story. For example, when the skinhead walks right past the kids outside the diner and doesn't recognize them simply because a few of them are hiding behind newspapers, or when Burger's chemical mixture blows up and merely chars them instead of seriously injuring them as if they were in a cartoon. Speaking of the chemical scene, while I definitely laughed when the teacher said blah 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 science shit blah blah blah, the other side of my brain was saying, come on, I know he didn't actually say that. A good story will suck you so far into its world that you forget you're even reading a story, and stuff like this just reminds you it's a story because, of, as, pre because as previously stated, it takes you right out of it. Another positive thing I can say about 4Kids is that it does some creative things with the panel layout, which you guys also mentioned. The two-page computer scene at the police station and the full page that shows Paige breaking into her bully's house were both pretty cool. I also appreciate how Rosenberg challenges comic book writing conventions by giving us several pages with high panel counts. At times it's a bit much, but most of the time, from a, formu uh, from a formatting standpoint, it works. Oh, and the art is fantastic. Simply, book <laughs> Simply put, this book is a joy to look at. In the end, and even on a, and even on a second read, Four Kids didn't really resonate with me, but I appreciate what it tries to do. I should also note that I loved Matthew Rosenberg's other Black Mass title, We Can Never Go Home. I'd recommend it. So he's, uh, there, there's another, like, little question here, but I don't know if you, you want to stop here and talk about the book. 
Uh, sure. Well, you might as well just read it. It's it's just a okay. you know, side comment. By the way, have any of you guys watched season one of True Detective? You should just say fuck comics for a week and do a book club on that. But please don't ever stop talking about comics. I'm never <laughs> bored listening to your show. As always, thanks for a great episode and thanks for reading. Sincerely, Ryan. I'd do that. I I need an excuse to finish True Detective. Oh, so good, dude. I've seen I've seen probably half of it. It is yeah, I do like it. I just never got around to it. I haven't seen one second of it. But Me neither. I would watch it. I've I've heard it's quite good. Uh, thanks a lot for your comment, Ryan. I always appreciate it when someone agrees with me. Uh, <laughs> it, I mean, it happens so rarely. Uh, no, in all seriousness, I obviously I understand where you're coming from because I felt the same things, um, and uh, you know it just happens sometimes. You know. Things hit people a certain way, and it's like, wow, cool! I can't wait to read this so that I can have that same experience. And then it turns out you don't for whatever reason. And this was just one of those instances. Uh, I'm not necessarily saying that the book is bad, uh, and I definitely like the creative team behind it, but it just didn't land the way for me that it did for everyone else. And uh, there were some things that I just didn't understand regarding the praise, but that's the way it goes. To each their own. I think it's funny that uh, it seems like you and Ryan both had like the exact same reaction where it's like, I don't think it's bad at all. I just don't I don't get the hype. You know, I'm not seeing what everybody else is seeing, Um, which is interesting. It's interesting that you guys seem to have really walked away with like kind of the exact same take. And I I really like your point about it being more of a spectacle than creating uh, memorable characters or meaningful narrative. I, I think that spectacle piece is sort of what uh phil kept trying to reiterate uh on on the on that episode um where it was more so uh, just because it wasn't character driven that makes it okay but here you know formulating it it's actually more so that spectacle that sort of piece to look at than it is that piece to digest i think yes yes and that's not going to work for everyone you know sure. there's there's definitely some people who can accept that and go oh cool that was a nice little you know, thing that I just experienced. Whereas for me, and I suppose Ryan, uh, in this particular instance, we just needed a little more. So yeah. But thanks for writing in, Ryan. I uh, that was a really, really thoughtful response. Yes. Uh, normally, I would have cut that down, but I thought that you were so thoughtful and uh, well spoken that I left it all in, especially because you agreed with me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh, dive into some pals pulls here. Uh, so from Kale, we've got Adventure Time Season 11, number one. So this is the, uh, the, the continuation of the last season of the Adventure Time show. So for everyone who is like dying for more Adventure Time after the finale, this is where it's at. Um, I have, oh, so it's not on TV anymore? No. No, it no, had its last episode okay. a couple months ago. Yeah. My, um, yeah. Maybe? Yeah, maybe I a month ago? Could, maybe. I think yeah. it was in the summer. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, from what I understand, it takes place, uh, in the future. So, um, I don't know. I'm excited about it. I love Adventure Time and, um, I'm, I'll do whatever I have to, to support Penn Ward and, and that group, uh, to get more Adventure Time or, or things like it. Was the show canceled? No. No, they just ended it was on for 10 seasons yeah oh wow okay yeah 
Yeah, so it's like, I think they, and like Pendleton Ward doesn't even work on it anymore, you know? It was like one of those situations where like the kind of original team had all moved on and then the second team that brought in and kept it going, you know, like was also done, I guess. And they were just like, yeah, I think it's just time, you know? I think he did write the last episode though. Yeah, and Rebecca Sugar came back for the last episode. Like a lot of the, you know, the OG came back and contributed for the end of the show. Yeah. Uh, so then also from Kale, we've got Frankenstein Alive Alive, the complete collection. So this is uh, some of Bernie Wrightson's last work. Uh, oh, really? Uh, yeah, some of you will know Bernie Wrightson's the master of comics horror. Um, his art is, you know, on a completely other level. <clears throat> yes, this is like he died in the middle of working on this Um Written by uh, Steve Niles of uh, 30 Days of Night. And then I believe it um, it was finished by someone else at Bernie Wrightson's oh, request. I think it was like a student of his, potentially. Oh, or something. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. I, unfortunately, oh, wow. I, I can't remember that person's name. But um, yeah, he did the last issue or 10 pages or so. That's um, really cool. So, yeah, yeah. I know I know Marco would be uh, super into this because you're a, you're a big Wrightson fan. Yeah, I haven't, I hadn't heard this, so uh, something I'm definitely interested in. Yeah. So for me, I chose uh, Justice League Dark Number Four. Um, there's not a ton of buzz around this series right now, I wouldn't say, but it's actually really good. Um, when when we first talked about it and teased it, uh, when it, before it came out, and even when we read the first issue, I remember a lot of our conversation was, "Yeah, this is cool, but." Is it going to be really, really good? Um, and I I personally believe that it has been. Uh, James Tinian is doing a really great job with these characters. Um, Swamp Thing, Marco, is is a is a big factor in the story. And, um, I, you know, I just thought you would be intrigued by that. Um, no, no, there's, I, I haven't kept up with it. It's that, like, I have it in my to-read pile, unfortunately. Um, I was actually going to ask. It, it's coming up with a... Uh, some kind of crossover with Wonder Woman and like the the regular Justice League, I think. Right? Well, the the Witching Hour, yeah, that is happening right now. Okay, um, and uh, this is part. I believe it's part three of that event. So that's an ongoing thing, um, and so we haven't seen yet how that event impacts the Justice League Dark proper book because it's the first issue that it's actually crossing over. But gotcha. the three issues prior have been really, really strong and. Um, I just, I just love the cast. I love what yeah. Tinian's doing. I think it's a lot of fun. So I definitely recommend picking it up. Is Tinian also on Witching Hour? Uh, yes. Yes, Okay. Is. Yeah, dude, I, I really want... I've been interested in this book, but uh, my my local shop has just, like, not been able to keep it on the shelves. Like, every time I go in, like... Because I, I usually don't go on actually Wednesday, you know? I like, end up on, like, a Thursday or, like, a Saturday or a Sunday when I have, like, a little bit of downtime. And, uh... Every time I've gone, like, it's already just been picked up already. And so I don't know if they're not ordering enough copies or if it's really just flying off the shelf, but. I was going to say, man, you need a different shop. They never have anything you go I know, in there right? for. I know, dude. <laughs> like, I fucking, like, they, but meanwhile, they have 30 plus, like, copies of every issue of Doomsday Clock still sitting there. I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> I got to go to the good shop that's like an hour away, you know, and just pick them all up. Yeah. 
So, uh, we're going to jump into the news here, and uh, we're starting with a firebomb. Something that uh, I do have to say, certain people on this show did predict. What up? And we'll, do- we'll talk about that prediction uh, shortly. Let me break it down. James Gunn is going to the distinguished competition. James Gunn will be writing... <laughs> An Academy Award winning movie. Listen, yeah, they That's got, true. They got they do, an Oscar. They, the respect of the Academy. It means a yeah. lot. James Gunn will be writing Suicide Squad 2 <laughs> and may also direct the film. I was going to say, I thought he was doing both. That hasn't been confirmed. Okay. The, the, the writing is, is the one thing that we know for sure. Well, fucking wild. <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm game for this. Like, if if you think about, go ahead, go ahead, go go. This might have just put the DC Suicide Squad film on the map, right? Like, yeah, like if we know what he's done with Guardians of the Galaxy, and we know sort of his quirkiness and and uh, thinking that that's going to be applied to the Suicide Squad and making it a little bit, you can keep that sort of grittiness and you can make it maybe a little bit more, uh, I guess. It's, sci-fi real if if anything a little more hard science potentially just because you can get that extra level of uh r rating potentially um but i think it it'll, it'll be cool it'll be interesting to sort of see what he throws in there well i think the thing that's so funny about this is like you know i, I don't think anybody would disagree that suicide squad aped a lot from guardians in terms of style and tone so that's already like what they were going for. So getting the, you know, person that you ripped off to do it, obviously a good step. But, uh, I think the, the bigger thing is that Marco mentioned the grit, right? And I think you do need a fair amount of grit because this is a story about villains. But, uh, if you know anything about James Gunn's, you know, um, what catalog, I guess, if you want to call it like the films he directed before Guardians, that was his shtick, you know, like, uh, he did the whole, Funny, but also kind of gritty and disturbing, right? And I think if you take what he learned with Guardians and, you know, um, have something that's a little closer to his roots, I think there's actually a really potential recipe for, like, huge success here for something that's actually great, you know, which is exciting. Killer Croc is going to be the next Drax. (laughs) And if Batista has his way, he'll play that character or Killer you know, Croc, one of the characters I, I mean that would make the most sense to me i would love but, that um, let's get rid of that guy i don't even know his name who played croc and just oh. make batista killer croc Let, let's get rid of croc and just bring in Drax. like that's fine <laughs> <laughs> let's just bring in batista it's a, it's a big guy it's fine but obviously uh there's been a lot of reaction to this uh and dave batista was one of the first people to have a reaction just essentially going on twitter and Sort of saying, sign me up. Where? How do I get involved with this? <laughs> so what you're saying is confirmed, Drax. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think that this is fascinating. The way this whole thing has sort of played out. Uh, in my heart of hearts, I knew that James Gunn would not direct Guardians 3. That was not in question for me. What I did think, or maybe I guess what I hoped for, was that he would stay in the mix maybe a few years down the road, um, once things cooled off and kind of mend fences at Marvel. Him going and doing Suicide Squad, of all things, 
tells me, at least for now, that they're, that that's not happening. Um, he could have, I, I think James Gunn could have done anything in the world that he wanted to do. And he chose to work on Suicide Squad. Uh, and so for, for that reason, I, I don't want to say that this is a direct shot at Marvel. But I do think that it's it's calculated that this is his first project yeah. post-Guardians. I agree. It, it feels like a statement. And, like, if not, like, if that's not what it means, I think it means the alternative, which is that DC must have come at him with a whole pile of money. Which oh, is, I'm, I'm sure it's both. Well, yeah. I'm sure it's but both. I'm just saying, like, that's an equal statement of, like, how quick they were to be like, hey, hey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> you think about it now, like what Kale said. This not only, like, potentially puts this film on the map, I think this potentially is a hugely positive PR move for them. You know, but just, it like... It puts DCU on the map. Yeah, right? Like, if, if it lands, if it's really good, like, if it's a win, this is going to feel like such a triumph of, like, oh, the first one sucked, we turned it around, Marvel, you know, didn't stand by James Gunn, and they fired him for this, like, you know totally illegitimate reason and then you know warner came along and was like we don't care it's totally cool man like speak your truth like <laughs> you have can your make vision. perfect jokes it's fine we like that here <laughs> exactly and everyone's and everyone's gonna be like man dc is pretty cool you know like or warner brothers whatever but either way it's like the, the the potential for this not only like working for them financially, working for their universe, but also just making them look good is like, what a fucking win. Whoever secured this deal must be feeling like a goddamn champion right now, you know? And like with this news, I sort of thought of it as like one, it could be a statement. It could be money, but I mean, it could just be, he wants to keep telling superhero stories and I, I, you know, he's a fan of them and I think that that's probably cool and being able to do it at a capacity at dc where potentially you know we always talk about how dc doesn't have their shit in order or together or has shit right uh, like <laughs> if if he's if he's capable to sort of like whip that into shape and make it his playground with like it, it could i you know i uh, will see what happens with with the movie um and we'll see what happens with him directing and and all that but i mean it could be sort of warner brothers first sort of play and looking at the long term, if anything. I think that's a great point, dude. Uh, because <clears throat> I was thinking about this when when Sean said um, that James Gunn could probably go anywhere and do anything right now. Yeah. I, I think that's true. I think if you look at Hollywood right now, he's probably one of the top five most bankable directors. 100%. Out there, you know, yeah. like the like because obviously he worked in the Marvel machine, which is, you know, if, you, if you've done that and you've done well, that's a badge of honor in in blockbuster filmmaking but uh especially with the guardians which were an ip that nobody gave a shit about that everybody was like is this going to be the first thing that marvel fucks up are we having superhero fatigue are we done and then guardians nailed it and everyone was like whoa i guess this is just a thing you know um and i don't think he gets enough credit for that you know that like what a big moment that film was for them. I don't, I don't know about that. I think he gets quite a bit of credit for that. <laughs> Maybe that's true. But either way, and you think about it, like he was going to have all this control over Marvel Cosmic. Like they obviously yeah. had a lot of faith in him. Yeah. So to think that he might be going to DC and taking a similar role, I think that totally makes sense. And like, why not? I think his brand of filmmaking, his style, works for exactly what they're going for now. So. We'll see. I but. wonder 
I wonder if this uh, if this partnership, uh, if, if it ends up being a big success, I wonder if he doesn't play the role he was supposed to play in the Marvel Universe for DC. I wonder if he doesn't become that spearhead person. Uh, I think that's totally that's possible. possible. Yeah, absolutely. Why not, right? Like, if you, if you right. could get him to do that, why wouldn't you want him to do that? He's a proven entity. So this movie was already supposed to have started filming earlier this year. Uh, obviously, it doesn't. It hasn't had a director. It hasn't had a writer. There's been a lot of flux with the Suicide Squad brand. They, you know, they they shifted David Ayer over to another project. I believe he's working on one of Sirens. The, Gotham yeah, City Sirens. Sirens. I, I think he's working on Sirens. Can they just have um, him make a Lobo movie? That's like the one thing I think I'd actually want to see him do. <laughs> Hey, that could happen. Um, so, so this this is great news in terms of people who care about the Suicide Squad. But the only downside is that production isn't even going to start until 2019. Uh, so we probably won't see anything. It might not. It, it might be 2021 when we see this movie. That's fine. So. Take your take your time. Give me something good. Yeah, I'd rather I'd rather wait and get. James Gunn's Suicide Squad than whatever the hell we were going to get, you know? So I would say that that overall has been a big success for DC in terms of announcements. Uh, what's been a little more of a controversial uh, conversation has been the Ruby Rose casting as Batwoman. And we finally got our first look at Ruby Rose as Batwoman on Tuesday. And the reaction to the one image that we got has not been all positive. Uh, quite a bit of people are very happy to see this. They think it looks great. Um, but there's also the other side of the fence who feel like uh, her costume really kind of waters down the essential look of the character and sort of CW advise it. Um, before I dive into what I think, I'm very intrigued by what you guys think about this costume in comparison to how she normally looks in the comics. I I like it. I like it. Um, I think I think over the course of the CW's experience, you know, they've had some hits and misses. I would I would point to um, the, any version of the Black Canary, frankly, and the Atom as sort of misses but i mean for the most part they get like their main heroes pretty well you know the way the the green arrow costume has evolved and even the flash costume um i feel like a lot of the flash costumes look really good yeah 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 that's it. by far my favorite costume is it's the flashes um and i for me this one is the same it's uh it's i think it's a hit i i like it a lot um i think I think there is an you you do have to expect an element of CW flying it because it's a costume that has to play on TV that a person has to wear, you know, for days and days and especially if it's going to be a show for years and years at a time. Yeah, it I I sort of get that critique it it, it sort of when I looked at it, it reminded me of Batman and Robin. Like that kind of style of oh uh, yeah I can see that uh, um I can't <laughs> no 
No. I don't know. I just looked at her face and it's just like, hmm. Uh, I do think that image is pretty photoshopped. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's 100%. like, yeah. I mean, so I, it could I'll, just be that also. I I learned pretty quick, especially with the Flash. Um, you can't accurately judge how these costumes look until you see it in action. Because there's there's a uh, when the Flash first came out, you know, they released the. Um, the still, which was him, you know, he was kind of crouched over and he was running. That was a great picture. But then not too long after that, they had somebody, uh, some set photos or something had leaked. And he was like, he was like turning to kind of like run to the side and like his legs were spread. Like he was, you know, getting ready to run or whatever. Yeah. And it looked like it had this great big like drop crotch. And it was like, <laughs> it like it looked bad. And I was like, oh, okay, hold on. But like I said, it's my favorite suit. Um, so I think, I, I think, you know, the, the, the best thing to do is to wait before you solidify your opinion. Nope. My opinion solidified. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think it, I, I would say I agree with Kale, um, almost entirely. Like, I think it, it looks fine. Like my first reaction to it was this looks good. You know, I think it definitely seems like a hit, but <clears throat> I also can see why, like there, there are elements of of it that are toned down. Like if you look at the Newsweek article that we'll link down below, um, you know, there's it's just it's a lot more black and gray, you know, instead of that really bright red, which is cool. Um, but you know, seeing it in action, like I can understand why you'd maybe want something that's a little more toned down, and that's not going to be like distracting you if you see your cape flying around with the red in the back and stuff. You know, like who knows? I'm sure they had a reason for the changes that they made. And to Kale's point, the costume will likely still evolve and change. You know, I imagine season two will look a little bit better. Season season three will look a little bit better. I think this looks like a, a good starting off point at the very least. And um, you know, I think I I don't. I don't personally understand why you would be in an uproar because the changes that have been made don't seem super significant to me. Yeah. Uh, so I, I definitely could see why you would think that or why you would feel that way. Uh, I think Batwoman is a character that a lot of people like. Um, but if you haven't actually read her series, you probably don't really get it. So for context, the original series and everything that's followed, uh, and J.H. Williams created a look and a feel for this character that is untouchable. And you can't really grasp what I'm talking about unless you see it for yourself. Sure. Um, yeah, I'd agree with that. The way that she looks in the comic books is iconic. And it's very rare that a character uh, comes out and and I mean she's she's older than than that recent than that run, but that she's been defined in like our time, like modern times, an iconic look, and it feels weird as a big fan of that series for that to have changed uh, so much with this look. And then also, again, going back to those uh, initial comics, there's a dreamlike sort of um, out of reality feel to her book that actually her comic her her costume plays into a lot the deep reds uh 
are, are, are accentuated by the crazy backdrops that you often see. And if, if you were to type in like J.H. Williams Batwoman interiors, you any random page would tell you what I'm talking about. Okay, like yeah. it's it's I see what Marco was talking about. Marco's got a picture some of here. this. Yeah, and that and that's like a cover, right? Like if yeah. you were to pull up the actual book, look at interiors, it's mind blowing. And this image, while I like it, fine, makes me feel like we're not going to get that. And I believe that that part of the character is essential to translating her properly to any other medium. I feel like you have to have that. And I'll be very intrigued to see how they pull her off without giving in to the costume and giving in to the weirder, uh, dreamlike, fantastical elements of her world. Because even though she isn't Gotham, when you read her book, it don't feel like Gotham. And it's not supposed to. And I hope that they can get that right. Do you do you think they... And <laughs> bear in mind what you said about the CW and their effects and you know especially what you said about the flash and stuff before do you think that the cw can realistically replicate jh williams style and the 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 impact and the way that book feels in in that show do i think the cw could do it i think if they really wanted to they could but i don't think that they want to and that's what scares me as a fan is that even though we haven't seen one lick of video, and I could be completely wrong, this image makes me feel like they're not trying to do that. And that is a misstep already. I'm not going to prejudge this show because I have no idea what they're going to do. And this is only f- the shot from the crossover that they're doing. Right? Uh, yeah, so, I was, I was going to say, do we know? We do know that it's a show, right? That a show is coming. Yeah, they're doing so. What they're doing, from from my understanding, is that she's gonna get there. She's gonna appear in this Elseworlds crossover, and then if if all sort of goes well, they'll give her the pilot. If the pilot goes well, they'll produce the full series. We know that there's a pilot coming. Uh, so yeah, that's that's my take, and I'm a big fan of Batwoman, so I really really hope they get this right. Uh, so, uh, DC Comics Secret Six is actually being developed over at CBS. Uh, this is according to Variety. Now, this is actually really interesting because we're not talking about the CW or you know whatever other station. We're talking about the actual CBS network. So far, so yeah, right. So far, they said the same thing about Supergirl too. True. Uh, (laughs) on its face and for for me this is a really bad thing the reason why is because first of all the dc universe app is a thing why would you not put this there um in addition to that i don't really feel like the cbs has a great track record um I don't know if that network is really popping right now as far as what television shows they have. Uh, in fact, I'm pretty sure it's not. And uh, I, Young Sheldon's pretty big. Sure. Right. Big um, Bang Theory's got its last season coming up, though, which is like... Yeah, but they got all those grandpa murder shows, you know? That's <laughs> yeah, and they make things like like Rush Hour, right, for television. And I just, I don't know. 
I, I'm not confident in what they produce. Uh, and also, I feel like the Secret Six, how are they going to do that? Like, that's, that, is go ahead. That's sort of what I don't understand because the Secret Six is kind of a poor man's suicide squad. Yes. And that's sort of like, I, I don't like, I don't really get it. Not that I don't get like the Secret Six, but like, I could could they just not get the Suicide Squad because they have the movie? Okay, it's going to be interesting to see what cast they go with because there are there are lots of different characters who have been on the team. I think Gail Simone probably has the most recognizable. Uh, Secret Six run, and I know she was a big fan of Catman. Uh, I believe Bane was on her team for a little while. She, there were a few characters that she used, uh, so it's going to be really interesting to see who they go with. Harley Quinn has been on the team. Uh, Lex Luthor has been on the team. Obviously, they're not using those characters, and I highly doubt we'll see Bane either. Uh, so it, it really calls into question: Who are they going to use? Who can they use? What kind of budget is this show going to have? And Who's looking for this? What C- what CBS viewer is looking for this property? I don't know. Well, and that's like I, I I'm sure. Oh no, maybe not. I don't think we were around when Supergirl came on. But I I said the same thing when Supergirl came on CBS. It's just like why put it on? Like it's the same people making the same kind of show. Put it on the CW. I like I don't want to relegate the cw to a corner but the cw knows what it's doing it's got a good thing going let the cw take it and the audience is there for those shows the cbs audience is not i don't think they're the same people no i I think i think you're right but i think that's probably why they're doing this right is that they want to get some of that audience to go to this other channel um and obviously to your point sean right like I looked at their show lineup right now. They have a few shows that are like huge hits and then a bunch of shows that are stuff I've literally never heard of, you know, or, or that I wasn't aware existed. And, you know, superheroes are a hot thing right now. And I think the whole like, well, who wants this? You could say that about literally at All this point. All of the CW shows. <laughs> well, that, but also I would say like 50% of the shit that's popping off right now in the superhero comic book adapt like who wanted riverdale i I don't know but a lot of people want it now who wanted a guardians of the galaxy movie who want you know who wanted even fucking ant-man black panther like these were things that seemed like who the fuck cares about that until they made us care about it you know and and not us but general people that don't give a fuck about this stuff you know and i think that's got to be their mentality is that nobody knows about this shit but if it's good and we put a good cast in it people will show up for it and worst case scenario if it flops here we'll move it over to cw like we did with supergirl and maybe it'll have a second shot over there yeah because i i think uh the cbs is still a parent company of of the cw so they still get it either way the cw is like a joint company between cbs and i think warner brothers yeah yeah okay. warner does yeah. have a stake in cw's um, so, I think I think you make solid points, Pete. But I go back to what Kale said. Uh, they did that already with Supergirl, and it was a fail. And is it though? 
Like it, no, it, it's, it's not it, now. It, it was, wasn't CBS. Yeah, well, that, that's my CBS. point, though. Is like maybe they're trying to roll the dice again. And even if it does fail, if the worst case scenario is you get another show on the CW anyway, it's like why not try to get some of that market share? How and, many and, times is that going to work? Well, and that said, if you make this, uh, you know, uh, 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 an NCS style, NCIS style superhero show, fuck, my grandma will eat that right up. <laughs> <laughs> fucking love, loves Gibbs. There's something to be said for that too, right? Like trying to make a show that has a different tone than the CW shows because those are more teen oriented, you know, a young adult. Um, like maybe doing something that is a little more procedural, but that is still like, oh, it's superheroes. My kids like those, whatever. Like you know, I don't know. Like I, I think, I think there's something to what you're saying, Sean. But I feel like there's just no, there's no risk. Like, the worst case scenario is not bad. So, like, why not try? Why not try to bring in that younger demographic? Why not try to get another hit show because one of your cash cows is about to end? Sure. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. I just, uh, it seems, it's, it's a, it seems like a weird match for me. But, uh, if it works, then it works. And then, you know, that'll be my bad take, right? Money in the bank. Um, <laughs> So there was a lot of controversy over at DC Comics over the Batman Damned number one uh, reveal, if you will. (laughs) 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 Yeah, Batman sure revealed something. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, we get the joke, Pete. Oh, his dick? (laughs) I fozzy bared it, you asshole. So, uh, obviously, there's been a lot of, you know, apologizing and different things like that going on at DC. And uh, Polygon interviewed uh, Jim Lee and Dan Didio about this situation. And um, they had some what I feel are interesting things to say. Uh, So, first up, we've got Jim Lee talking about it. I think we made some choices after it went out. And there were some production errors that led to the book being published the way it was. That ended up being a big story. But thankfully, people were very pleased with the story and the content, the beautiful art, and the story that Brian Azzarello and Lee Mayo had come up with really resonated with readers. So that's nice. Um, but obviously, that's not what we ended up talking about, right? So uh, Lee continues on. It made us certainly look at what Black Label is and think about whether these elements are additive to the story. And that's something that we'll be mindful of going forward because I don't think we necessarily want a repeat of what happened with the first issue. Then Dad Nidio takes over and says, it's something we wish never happened because it really took the attention away from what we thought was quality storytelling. And that's not the way we see this imprint. As a matter of fact, we're excited by all the books that we have under Black Label. And it's an important line for us, so much so that we're actually repositioning some of our older material that has the same tonality and bringing it and in and reprinting it under the Black Label name. Now, the quote that I am thinking of that I was most interested in uh, is actually not here. Um, but one of them says something along the lines of they're going to be sort of going over all of their their black label books and making sure that th- that that kind of content isn't present. Um this whole interview that they did is 
like I, I like the message, I guess, but ultimately it makes me ask a question. So then, what is Black Label? Is if if Black Label is supposed to be a place for top level creators to tell mature stories, but it can't include nudity and certain other elements, uh, then what's the difference between that and what Tom King is doing in his Batman title? Is it just that it's not monthly? Is it just that it's it's that they have more time? That it's Ain't no dicks, baby. <laughs> in that, in that other quote, did they specifically mention nudity? Because I, I was sort of looking at it as okay, you know, he they dedicated like panels to his dick. Like maybe moving forward, we don't make it like a point to do that necessarily. I sort, I sort of thought that's the way they were kind of looking at it. Maybe not making it because he mentioned that you know, that became the focus of the book versus the storytelling. So I don't think it. It seemed like he had a, a problem with it. I think he was pro- more worried about the attention it was getting. And so, if you sort of pull away, if you take out like two panels and maybe you show like, all right, like the silhouette of it or something, or you do show maybe one throbby vein, right? And then you move on, and that's it. It doesn't become maybe as big a deal. I, that, that's the way I sort of interpreted it. Well, all the language the f- you're using right now, Mark, is <laughs> very evocative. Well, and the thing is, like. This was the first time this has ever happened right. outside of like a Matt Murphy porn, right? Like, <laughs> Ven come. <laughs> Oof. Um, right as I took a sip of water, gross. <laughs> but like, <laughs> this is the first time something like this has ever happened. Why wouldn't people talk about this? Yeah. Right? Yeah, I think that's a great point, and I um, and it was a first issue, so right. we know nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, yeah, like it's a good issue. It's it's you know it's 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 good, but this happened, and and people are going to talk about it. I don't understand. I guess what I what I'm saying is I don't understand the overreaction. What I feel is an overreaction. I think about I think about. Uh, Sean Murphy's White Knight. When when White Knight came out, Harley Quinn was naked in the book. They covered her body with word balloons, but you know you knew what was there. If you read the digital version of Batman Damned, his uh, whole package was completely covered by shadow, so you didn't see it. Uh, it wasn't a big deal, and Sean Murphy said, "When we bring this over to Black Label, I'm taking those word balloons off her body." Hell because that yeah. was my original intent. So now that's probably not going to happen. Do we need to see Harley Quinn naked? Do yes. we need to see Batman naked? Hell yeah. Not necessarily, but <laughs> I like how Markle's just under me. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, just answering all your rhetorical questions. Not, but not necessarily, right. but I, I don't I don't think that it's a problem either. If it's a mature book, I, I don't know. That's, that's exactly how I feel. You know, I, and I, I think – if the point of these books is to be for mature audiences, like you should be mature enough to see a naked body, you know, like I think we as a country are way too obsessed with uh, like virtual, uh, virtual, not virtual, virtue, uh, vir- like virtue when it comes to sex, you know, and like sexual organs, you know, like we're allowed to have, uh, you know, books like kick ass, right? Where like you see people get totally fucking maimed and you know like destroyed or like walking dead or people get pulled apart and stuff like that and that's fine but batman hangs brain and it's like a huge problem you know like he just just, what 
He hangs brain. He shows his balls. Literally <laughs> never heard that phrase. I've never heard that. Well, here I'm teaching you guys some stuff. That's that, good. that sounds like something he does as Batman. <laughs> well, so I, I just – I think it speaks to a broader issue in our culture where we're comfortable with violence but we're uncomfortable with nudity. And I don't, I don't think that there's anything wrong with showing Batman's penis or Harley Quinn's breasts or, or whatever, uh, as long as it's done in a way that's not like tacky, you know, like I, and, and even so, I don't even know that there's anything objectively wrong with that. I just think it's, it's not good art, you know, like I think if the point of these books is to be mature and representative of the world, well, sometimes people are naked, you know, and like, I think yeah. that's fine. And I, I wouldn't even argue that, you know, the way that it happened was bad or tacky or, or whatever. Like, I mean, it was a naked dude. You know, fucking all right. Yeah, it's like Batman and, has a dick. Like, yeah, so yeah. what? And that's it. That was the controversy. Yeah. It's not like. Oh, shit. We're seeing Batman's dick. Confirmed. <laughs> and, that's it. And, and again, I stand by what I said the last time we talked about this. If. If Bermeo and Azarello were, were doing a Wonder Woman title and they did the exact same thing, the narrative surrounding this would be a lot hotter in terms of... Sean, that is... <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> and you know it. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm bummed out about this because it's not because I need to see nudity in comics. It's not about that. And I don't want that to be the takeaway. I'm bummed out about it because I thought that DC wanted to be bold with this. And it seems like they're responding to what I really haven't personally experienced as massive backlash. I've seen parents. I've seen certain people say, hey, this is Batman. You shouldn't do that. And that's a perspective, right? But another perspective is, hey, it's it's a it's a it's a mature comic. It, it has the rating on it, and you can see that. And if you're a parent or if you're an adult person that doesn't want to engage with that, then don't buy the book. There's a plenty. You you could never buy Batman Damned and have a million. You'll never stop reading Batman books, so you could skip it. Yeah, exactly. That like movie. that's such a bullshit narrative. You know, it's like arguing like, oh, there shouldn't be violence in Call of Duty because parents buy it for their kids. You know, it's like it's not for children. Like just because Batman is a character that is accessible to children doesn't mean that that his stories are only for like, would you give your child a copy of The Killing Joke? Because I wouldn't, you know, like it's there have always been comic store. Not always, I guess, but they're like for decades now, there have been comic stories that are not intended for children. I wouldn't give a child Watchmen. That doesn't make it bad. That doesn't make it wrong. It's just not for them. You know, Saga has sex in it. Like, it's, again, it's it's a, it's a book for adults. So don't give it to children. And if you're not responsible enough to go to a store and buy a book for your child and do your due diligence of looking at the thing on the cover and looking up what it means or looking in the beginning of the book and seeing that it's, you know, not an all-ages book or maybe not buying a book for your child that has the word damned on the cover, like, it's clearly not intended for children. Like who is this really hurting? The uh, the, the people who want to see dicks. <laughs> the, the puritanical uh, individuals among us, I suppose. Well, screw them because that's the real thing. Is Kale's right? The people it's really hurting are people who want to see Batman's dick because now they'll never get to do it again. Sorry, Matt. 
And that's a good point. Uh, the way I want to end this is to say that uh, there will be no reprinting of this book at all. Damn. So yeah. you either got, yeah, that's you right, either got it or you won't ever. Yeah, which is kind of crazy. If you have it, you have a little piece of history there. Uh, yeah, the, I, I, I read this uh, earlier, but uh, a, a graded, a high grade uh, issue of this book sold for over $1,000. Already? Yep. Yeah. Jesus. Well, dude, it's already a living piece of history. You know, it's Uh. like my um, a friend of mine works at a comic book store and she was telling me that they had a ton of them that nobody came for until the story broke. And then they were selling them on eBay for 50 bucks a pop. What? So it's a big deal. A big, big bat deal. Now. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Image Comics. God Country is going to be adapted for film. Hell uh, yeah. Which is really, really cool, right? Like, that's that's awesome. Uh, Aftershock and Legendary will be partnering up to produce this. Um, Aftershock Media, I should say. Not, uh, oh, okay. Like, I was going to yeah. say. It's like, what? Um, <laughs> I, I, I want to I wanna say the best part about this is that Donnie Cates... Mm-hmm. Is writing it. Yep. He's writing the actual screenplay. That is so cool. Now, we've talked about uh, several different instances of uh, comic books being adapted to film. This year alone, there have been about a million. Uh, and one of the main things that I always have brought up is how come the writer of the book doesn't get to write the screenplay? This is an instance where I feel they've gotten it right. No one knows got a country better than Donnie Cates and Jeff Shaw. So why not ha- have uh, those individuals be the driving force creatively behind the film? And now we're finally getting that. And this is a brilliant opportunity for Donnie Cates and for Jeff Shaw. I don't know what Jeff Shaw's involvement will be, um, but I know that Cates is going to get to write this. This could flip and turn into a whole uh, film career for him on top of his comics career because they're doing the right thing and giving him the chance to script this movie. Yeah, this is a really, really interesting development, you know, and it's funny because we talked about this so recently, you know, and how, um, you know, I, I, I kind of, Kale and I had kind of taken the position, I think it was, where we were talking about how, well, like Hollywood is a different beast. So just because you've proven yourself in comics, you have to then kind of prove yourself in Hollywood. And it's cool to see someone getting to do that like right away, like with their own property like this, you know, because I think to your point, like if this is a success, that opens a ton of doors for for Donnie that weren't open before, you know, um, and <clears throat> frankly, bigger opportunities, you know, opportunities for more money, opportunities to, you know, maybe build your own company, like, you know, create your own empire. Get health care. Yeah. Get right. health. Exactly. Healthcare. Raises. Big plus. Big plus. Yeah. Yeah, so this is really cool, and it's it's super interesting that it's coming together in the way that it is, too, because I didn't even know that Aftershock developed films, you know? Like, this is the first one that they're doing that's not based on their comics, according to the article. Um, is, so it, this is, is it that company? Yeah. They have a uh, – yeah, it's, it's like it's Aftershock, and then there's like – you know the like they aftershock comics you know it's like a is a is an offshoot of the aftershock entertainment conglomerate or whatever oh you know? okay yeah I which know. i didn't even know was a thing 
until this story. So that's super interesting. And uh, I, I, cause I, I know we talked about them developing one of their properties for a film previously, but it said that this is the first time they're partnering with another, you know, publisher Comic in this company. case, Image. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, which makes sense given how Image's properties work. You know, it's, it's really probably more of a partnership with, uh, you know, Donny Cates then. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, so that, so that's really cool. I think this, this could really potentially, you know, start a, a trend because that's how Hollywood works. Right. Uh, so, you know, I, I think seeing, like, I don't think you even would have seen this if it wasn't for something like the success of like the walking dead, you know, or like Kirkman. Oh, here yep, we fucking exactly. go. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's almost like it was the most popular oh, show on it's television. The walking dead. Like it's only years, been on something. the air for 10 years. We fucking get it. <laughs> Oh boy. All right. So if you're curious about what God Country is, it's a six issue uh, fantasy series in which an elderly widower in Texas finds himself restored to health and cured of dementia after discovering an ancient, an enchanted sword in the eye of a tornado. His revival comes with a cost. He has been transformed into the only man who can face a number of otherworldly creatures summoned to Texas by the sword's arrival. That is per The Hollywood Reporter. So uh, I haven't read this before. I'm probably going to pick it up now as a result of this. I'm sure lots of other people will as this film gets closer to release. Congratulations to Donny Cates. I think this is a perfect way for this to go. And I truly hope that more comic book creators are given this same opportunity because it will change their lives and it will ultimately probably result in better movies. So yeah. Best of luck in all your future endeavors. Donny Cates. Oh, (laughs) are we firing him again? He's not, he's not dying. That's Marco's stick. Now this elevator pitch sounds like what, like this sounds like a story that kale would write about himself. Legitimately. I think, um, uh, from what I understand, one of my best friends from home uh, w- tried to get this book specifically for me because I think it does take place like where I'm from. Well, I, I just love the idea of it's like, oh, it's this like grouchy old widower who like, you know, lives in Texas. It's like, all right, check, check, check. That's exactly what would happen to Kill when, you know, uh, <laughs> when he's geriatric and then he finds a magic sword and fights evil. All right. Sounds about right. Too bad Kill didn't create it. Uh, so speaking, speaking of Robert Kirkman, as you love to, uh, bring him up, Pete, we've got a story. Like about it wasn't him relevant. Fuck you guys. <laughs> well, if you love him so much, why don't you marry him? You wouldn't? Are you kidding me? This guy will take care of me for the rest of his life. He's got that walking dead money. Someone well, Listen, I'm not saying I wouldn't. <laughs> uh, Skybound is, is, Skybound Entertainment now has a new production company called Skybound Galactic. Which is a which is in partnership with Sony Television, which will lead to the development of several projects uh, based on Skybound Comics, in addition to uh, comic books that come from Top Cow. So we're talking about Thief of Thieves, we're talking about Nailbiter, The Darkness, Think Tank. Um, Hell yeah, that's cool. Yes, and uh, regarding the Top Cow titles that I just referenced. Uh, executive producing those series will be Mark Silvestri and uh, Matt Hawkins. So, that's so like the talent from from Image yeah. Proper and Top Cow yep. Proper. Yep. Does yep. it? Does the article mention anything about Postal at all? It does not. But I thought I thought I heard something about Postal. 
uh, a while Somewhere ago. Maybe else. I'm. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought I did, but. Uh, um. So yeah, uh, Rick Jacobs, who is the 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 CEO of this new uh, Skybound Galactic, said. Combining the multi-platform capabilities of Skybound and TopCal's extensive library of IP with the best worldwide distribution in Sony is an unbelievable opportunity. I'm looking forward to continuing Skybound's mission to help creators expand their content into new markets. Uh, I don't have a lot to say about that other than awesome. Yeah, Love dude. to hear it. Yeah. Skybound is the shit. Like They're just growing and growing and getting their like hands in all these different... Pockets like we talked about um, them on VGP last week about how they salvaged the uh, the Telltale Walking Dead season three situation as well. Oh, it's like fuck they're just Pete. getting bigger and fucking bigger, <laughs> and it's like ridiculous. And what I love about it is that uh, Robert Kirkman has his entire career has been dedicated to wanting to see creators um, be properly compensated for their work and and for them to be independent. That, I mean, that's always been his call to arms. And so now that he has the money and now that he has the position, uh, you can tell with everything that he's been doing that he's kept to his word and he's putting his money where his mouth is. And he's betting on himself and on these creators and they're winning. And, and like, great. you got to think, like, he has more experience in that world than almost anybody in comics. You know, like, um, like as Kel likes to keep throwing in my face, uh, the show's on the air for what, like almost 10 years at this fucking point. Wait, way too long. Um, and, uh, that's yeah, like, yeah, you're right. Way uh, too fucking long. Aside from, like, you act like I'm defending it or something. <laughs> uh, aside from, you know, like maybe somebody like, you know, Jeff Johns, like, there's not that many people with this level of experience that is, you know, are comics people first. So, yeah. Yeah, that's true too. That's true. Um, but uh, BKV even, but again, like the list is short and not any of those people that we just listed have a machine yeah. like Skybound. That they're, yeah, they're nowhere leverage. near as successful as Kirkman. No. Yeah. Because Bendis he, and BKV have been trying to get stuff on TV for years. And they're, they're always even. working with other people. Like Kirkman's at yeah. a point now where he can develop his own projects. And if he sees a project that he likes, he can be like, yeah, throw money behind it. We have it. You know, and like that's a that's a that's something that can't be understated that like the building of, of Skybound over the last couple of years into what it is, is uh, what's allowed this development to take place. You know, and it's like they've made movies before. They developed that movie Air with Norman Reedus and, you know, I forget who else. But they've been doing this stuff kind of quietly in the background. And now it's like, well, we have the experience. We have the connections. And let's let's put some of these people in a position to succeed. And you, and you know what, Kale? It's all thanks to The Walking Dead. Listen. It sure is. I'm just tired of fucking hearing about it. <laughs> I, I genuinely think that even more than Marvel or DC or whoever else, it is best for comics that Image and Skybound succeed in Hollywood because oh, yeah, the 100%. creators will be the primary benefactors and it will they will open doors for newer creators. Marvel and DC aren't going to do that. It will be Skybound. It will be Image that do that. So, yep. Yeah, I honestly yeah. think this is kind of the last step in this in this slow process of its of Hollywood and the greater entertainment industry recognizing that that it should start with the comics people that comics properties are lucrative because of the creators behind them. You know, 
not necessarily just the properties themselves. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, we're only getting that far in comics, so. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so we talk about Skybound's big success. Unfortunately, now we have to talk about Marvel's failure. Because Iron Fist has been canceled over at Netflix. What? Thank no. God. But <laughs> but but it was a it was a critical darling. It was just getting good. I I'll have you know. I'm gonna part the kimono here for a second. That's that was the la- that was the last message Marco sent and that I woke up to on this news. What in our in our private chat thread? Oh, but I thought season two got, got a lot better. Oh yeah. Well, everything that I've heard is that it was better, uh, but it, but apparently either it wasn't good enough or the reaction to Iron Fist in his proper season one. And on Defenders was so bad that people didn't return for season two. I think, I think every happened. one of us yeah. is is among that group. We didn't oh, yeah. watch season two, and we're diehards. We love this stuff, and we just couldn't do it. Um, I, I do want to read uh, what Marvel and Netflix reps had to say. They released a joint statement. Uh, Marvel's Iron Fist will not return for a third season on Netflix. Everyone at Marvel Television and Netflix is proud of the series and grateful for all of the hard work from our incredible cast, crew, and showrunners. We're thankful to the series who have well, thank, we're thankful to the fans who have watched these two seasons and for the partnership we've shared on this series. While the series on Netflix has ended, the immortal Iron Fist will live on. Now, that's a really interesting statement to me because I'm wondering, does that mean that Iron Fist will then appear in other Netflix shows for the other characters or is the fact that he is no longer... The fact that he no longer has a series in production, does that mean that Marvel and Disney can take him over to the Disney streaming service? I was just thinking maybe he'd get paired up with Luke Cage and they might actually have a a decent show. That's also possible. Yeah. Because that's – I mean that that exact thing is what – is almost exactly what happened originally in the comics and that's how we got Power Man and Iron Fist. Yep. Uh, and I, I think I think you're probably right, Sean. I think the the wording of that seems very particular to me, and uh, I would imagine that we'll see one of those things come to fruition. Whether that's him being a supporting player in Luke Cage season three, whether there you know maybe there is no Luke Cage season three, and we get you know Luke Cage and Iron Fist season one, um, or Power Man and Iron Fist. Uh, <laughs> Heroes for Hire is that what they are? Yes. Oh yeah, that's true. Um, so yeah, I think any of, any of those seem totally plausible, but I, I think the, the thing that you raised about maybe seeing these shows start to shift over to the Disney platform, I think that's probably a little less likely, but certainly not, certainly not out of the question. Well, I, I feel like, so, okay, with, with this announcement, right? Defenders, did they never said it's canceled. They never said it's never coming back. They just said we don't have plans for it right now. Okay. Why that message there? And then the message of it's canceled in the case of Iron Fist. If you were just going to have just do a, a joint show between him and, and Luke, why not not say anything about it? Because now we're under the assumption that every other show is getting its second or third or whatever season 
and he's the one that's left out of that equation. Why is that? Why why make that statement? Why is it required? I I wonder if it's just because in the case of defenders, right? Like it wasn't critically successful, but I imagine it was very commercially successful. Whereas Iron Fist season one, you know, probably the same boat, right? Like people didn't assume it would be bad, or even if they heard it was bad, they wanted to see it for themselves, and then they couldn't get it up to go see season two. Whereas with Defenders, I wonder if it was like, hey, so this was successful, but critical reception was kind of weak, it was expensive to produce, and it ultimately didn't play out the way we wanted to, so we could go back to that well, we don't necessarily see that well as being poisoned, but we're certainly not thinking about doing another one, whereas... Season three of Iron Fist, I think, was probably almost definitely planned, but it just did not put numbers on the board, To, in my opinion, because of what you said earlier, where I think people just probably, they if they liked it, you know, like people like Phil and I were like, it wasn't even, I thought, I thought it was pretty good. You didn't like it enough to go back for season two, or you were burnt out because of Defenders and Jessica Jones season two in our case, where I didn't love either of those, and I wasn't super motivated to watch Iron Fist or Luke Cage season two. Whereas uh, with, you know, Defenders, I think it was probably just a matter of the whole thing felt a little bit messy. And they're kind of just like, well, let's let's let these next let's let these next wave of seasons play out and see where we see where we're at. You know, are we even interested in doing more of these shows at all at that point? Well, the the THR article that uh, that we're, we're referencing here uh, goes on to say that their sources uh, say that the remaining shows, uh, which of course include Jessica Jones, Daredevil, Luke Cage, and Punisher, are going to stay with Netflix until they run their course per the company's original five-show deal which also included the Defenders as a separate sort of, you know, idea. Now, the original five-show deal plus Defenders includes Iron Fist. If you take Iron Fist out of that equation and they're no longer producing Iron Fist shows, what rights does Netflix still have to the character? That's my big question. I really am curious about that. Yeah, the the that last little add-on there, the Immortal Iron Fist story will continue is, yeah, that's what's curious to me. Like, if it's canceled, why? Right. And what does that mean? And again, to Pete's point, that could easily just mean he's going to, you know, appear as, as a supporting character in Luke Cage. We'll see. I just think it's interesting, and I feel like this story might get more compelling over time. So, who knows? Um, in other news, it was not announced, but kind of teased by C.B. Sabolsky at New York Comic Con. Uh, I'm sorry. Did I say did I say his name improperly? Yeah, it's pronounced Akira Yoshida. Akira. Oof, see, you keep saying stuff like that, and we're not gonna end up in Marvel, man. You better watch yourself. <laughs> uh, so uh, he he told a a fan that was in a Wiccan costume, Wiccan of course being a member of the Young Avengers, uh, that in 2019 she would be very happy. That, of course, led everyone to believe that we would be getting a new Young Justice series come uh, 2019. Young Avengers. I'm sorry. Young Justice. Young Avengers. Absolutely. Um, Now, the original Young Avengers 
is created by Alan Heinberg and Jim Chung from 2005. Uh, one of my favorite stories from, from Marvel. Um, I really enjoyed it. And I would love to see them come back. I guess my, my thought about it is, is this something that you guys think, is this a way that Marvel could start to win back? Because you look at the celebration surrounding Young Justice coming back. Is this their answer to that? Isn't, I mean, that's sort of what Champions is, isn't it? Just the teen heroes, right? It is. It is. Yes, you're, you're right. I guess Young Justice implies... Or, oh God, Young I keep, Avengers. I keep doing it. Young <laughs> Avengers. That, that, that implies something different to fans of that book and to lapsed fans of Marvel in general than right. Champions does. Yeah, it has a resonance that, yeah. you know, to a certain audience anyway. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I hate to be so cynical about when Marvel makes moves like this, but the last couple of years, they've not instilled a lot of confidence in me when it comes to stuff like this. It oftentimes feels like kind of a hollow gesture, you know, like when they did the X-Men Blue and Gold were back and I remember we're like, oh, maybe this is a big deal. And then, you know, like, granted, you know, I, I didn't read it, but you reported back on it and it's like, it's, it's, it's fine. Like it's, yeah, it's nothing it's revelatory. Fine. It's, 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 yeah. it's just another X-Men book. And yeah. like, it feels like, I don't want to say that this feels like that because I don't know. But my point is that when they announce things like this, they don't really mean anything to me anymore because it feels like it feels like they're cashing in on nostalgia. He also didn't announce it, right? Like, yeah, it, this isn't a it's formal a announcement. It's a he tease. just kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge somebody, a cosplayer and went, <laughs> Wicked's coming back, maybe and you're going to be happy in 2019. And right. That doesn't mean anything. Right. So yeah, eh. I, 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 you know what? I gotta say, um, I'm a Marvelite, right? Oh yeah. Um, and I love Young Avengers. Even if they were to announce it, it would mean nothing to me at this point, because when they announced Civil War two, I was super hyped, and then it came out, and it was clear to me that it could have been called anything at all, and the name attached. And the story that was present, they only did that as a cash in, like Pete said. Um, and the best, the best intentions. I don't, I don't think Marvel had. I don't think they thought. All right, well, we're gonna get them with this. You know, I don't, I don't put that on them. But no. When they when they revive a property that has resonance with people, it doesn't always feel like like if they said Alan Heinberg and Jim Chung are coming back, then I would say. Oh, okay. Right. That's because that's the thing we actually want. It's, you know, it's, it, it, that takes it back to the thing I was saying before about how what's special about a book is the creator and, or the creatives, I should say, behind it, not necessarily the characters or the property. Because every superhero that you love has a bad run by somebody, you know, and it's like, I don't think it's that the, the inherent value of these IP is so great that anybody can make something good. You know, it's like, uh, not to take it back to the, the telltale thing, but when we talked about that on VGP, there was a quote from one of those people that said, you know, creatives are not just cogs that you can switch out in a machine. And that, that is my takeaway with these things is that if it's not a, a true revival of that point in time in the book, it's, it's a revival in name only, you know? 
and 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 not always, right? Like I think a great example of that uh was like when um Gerard Way did like Doom Patrol, right? Like that was kind of like, oh, it's in the spirit of Grant Morrison's book because I was such a big fan of that. And it's not the same, but it's kind of the same tone. And if you like that, maybe you'll like this. If it's if it's not at least something like that, then what are we even doing? You know? Well, I mean, yeah, and and they did bring Young Avengers back in 2013 with Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey. From I, I don't think I read it, but by all accounts, it was well received, and that's a great creative team. So, I, I yeah, I I absolutely love that book. Sure, I I used it in my thesis. Like, yeah, and so the part that freaks me out, and the reason why I felt like talking about this. Is because it doesn't make any sense to me that something that was so good and so I mean it won an award, it won a Glad award. Why is it dead? Well, initially the the Gillen McKelvey run, uh, they they ended where they wanted to end it. Right. You know I they, just, all, I guess, they go ahead. They they only wanted to tell a certain number of issues. Um, I, so where's like why would why would you leave it dormant? I guess like yeah. bring it. You know who who else wants to? T- I'm sure someone else has got a young Avenger story. Yeah, and that's that's something I like. That's that's sort of my thing with Wiccan and and Hulkling or whatever the fuck his name is. I think it's Hulkling. Hulkling, yes. Um, this dumb fucking name. Um, I get so mad about that. I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> 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 the past the past couple of years they they've just kind of floated around in these weird you know sort of offshoots and they have various teams that just haven't really gone anywhere weren't weren't they on a team on a book with um squirrel girl not that long ago yeah new avengers was it is that what it was yeah that was um, that I, I would remember because never mind carry on yeah, uh, I mean that's that was Al Ewing, I think, wasn't it? Sure was, and Gerardo Sandoval. And you would think that Al Ewing, being a poor man's Karen Gillen, no, I don't mean that. I don't mean that. Oof, I don't. Boy, mean that. we are just let's. I don't listen. What are you I don't mean that. Listen, let's stop. I don't. I don't mean that. I don't mean that. But it's it's like these two characters specifically because Kate Bishop and even America Chavez are really good characters and they've they've evolved and and people really like them and even uh, a a marvel boy um from gillen, gillen and mckelvey's run um had a huge uh, impact on the um uh the inhuman stuff um but wiccan and hulkling just they it feels like they never really found their place and I don't. And Hulkling starred in the Hulk book for a while too, right? No, you're thinking of Amadeus Cho. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I agree with everything you said, Gail. And uh, yeah, I, I, I'm just I'm wondering, I'm wondering how if there is a revival, what's it going to look like? Is it going to be for us as fans of the book? You know? Is he going to get his own book? Right. Maybe that's what he meant. Don't know, but remains to be seen. Hope it's good. So, uh, we have to talk about Chuck Wendig. And we have to talk about him because he was fired from Marvel. Uh, as of this recording, it happened yesterday, which would be Friday. And um, 
there's been a big uproar. So uh, I'll break down the reason why he was fired, and uh, we'll get into it. So I'll, I'll just read a little bit from his uh, from his tweets. So here's here's the thing that has happened. I just got fired from Marvel, taken off issue four and five of Shadow of Vader, and taken off an as yet unannounced Star Wars book. This might be a long thread, so apologies in advance. Um. I hesitate to talk about this because, honestly, it gives the worst possible people a win, something they've wanted for a long while, but I also feel like I've long held to honesty and forthrightness, and I don't feel like lying when people realize I'm not on these books anymore. He goes on to tell a very, very long story about how when he released Star Wars Aftermath, which was his one of the very early books in the new Star Wars continuity, um, and his first in a series of books. And he got a lot of hate from a lot of people. Uh, some of it was because they thought the writing was bad. Some of it was because they just don't like him. Some of it was because he had LGBT characters in the book. Um, for what it's worth, I'll say that I did read the book and I didn't like it. Uh, but I enjoyed what he was trying to do. And I had no issues at all, of course, with LGBT characters. I thought that was actually one of the better parts of the book itself. Um so he, so like I say, he tells a long story about that, how he's received a lot of harassment in the wake of that and for his Star Wars stuff and how anytime he announces a Star Wars book, uh, he gets a lot of flack. Um, so then he, he talks about, uh, how the fact that, uh, Lucasfilm and Marvel were, they had his back for a lot of the, uh, criticism that he received and the hate, hatred that he received. Um, for some of the stuff that he did in that book, uh, or re- in that book and then within his comics after the fact. So, uh, then he talks about the fact that he received a phone call, uh, that was from his editor at Marvel that, uh, was an, an angry message, uh, essentially saying that he was fired, um, because his presence is, is damaging to the book. And uh, I'll, I'll just read his words. Uh, Today I got the call. I'm fired because of the negativity and vulgarity that my tweets bring. Seriously, that's what Mark, the editor, said. It was too much politics, too much vulgarity, too much negativity on my part. Basically because I was not civil, which of course is their decision to make. I'm not their boss. My understanding over this call was that this was a Marvel decision, not a Lucasfilms decision, and I can't, but I can't really confirm that. The editor said he had made the call. He seemed genuinely upset at my tweets and profanity, so maybe that's accurate. And again, that's his right to do so. If they honestly feel that my presence will damage the book, I don't want that. I want the book to shine, and artists like Juanan Ramirez and Greg Smallwood to do their amazing thing. But it does set a troubling precedent, ones we've seen that already, James Gunn, Jessica White, and so on, of folks fired because they riled up the wasp's nest of Asterisk Gate, referring to Comics Gate. Um, and it seems odd to be mad that I'm mad about politics when, well, look around, climate change, climate change, kids in cages, sexual harassers, and the topmost tiers of power, yada, yada, yada. You understand where he's going with this. The last tweet I want to read from him is, I know it hands Comics Gate a big win. It will embolden them. But they won. I'm out of Marvel, and I guess for now, at least, out of any kind of Star Wars. Do your victory lap, I guess. That is his statement on this whole thing. So I'll pause. 
and I want to hear what you guys have to say. Uh, I mean, on its on its face, uh, and granted, you know, uh, we sort of know what's I know what's coming anyway. Um, yeah, this fucking sucks. Um, I would say it's different from the James Gunn situation in that James Gunn's happened 10 years ago and not last week. I think that's not a, 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 a good equivalent, but, you know, I see where he's going. Um, <clears throat> uh, bigger picture, I I don't wholly disagree. I think it does set a dangerous precedent. Uh, you know, for Marvel, uh, to to fire people for their politics. Um, that's, I mean, that said, you know, the the head, the the guy who bankrolls Marvel is the Secretary of Veteran Affairs for the Trump campaign. So, all right, uh, I, I guess go ahead, Pete. I uh, I think this is it's 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 a tough issue because I think. As, like, a human being, I understand his position. You know, I, I get where he's coming from. Uh, I think in terms of, like, his frustration, his disgust with these people, those are all things that I totally – that resonate with me as a, as a person, right? But really where I kind of come down on this and, – and I'd like to add this with a grain of salt. This isn't me criticizing him or – defending the people he's attacking but i i think what my takeaway here is this is this was a really unprofessional way to behave and that as somebody who is like working for a company like marvel which is underneath a company like disney knowing the context of what happened with james gunn right like this seems like a real misstep on his part and i don't i don't think it makes him wrong to express himself but there are there are ways for him to do what he did that didn't end up in him losing his job. And I don't think that that necessarily, like, I don't know that Marvel is right to have fired him. However, uh, Sean made some selections about which tweets he chose to read. And if you read the tweets where he really goes in, I can understand not wanting to have somebody who is an inflammatory lightning rod working for your company, you know? Well, the tweets that I didn't read were just – they were only tweets that were expanding upon the story he was telling in that thread. The tweets right. that you were referring to, I'm about to read right now. Okay. Well, uh, then let's, let's go there. The, yeah. There is another side to this story. And these are the tweets – some of the tweets because he deleted tweets. I want to make that very clear. But these are the tweets that he was fired for. Uh, I am not going to say the language that he used. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do it my way. He said, F Trump, but he's just an, the ugly, fake, gold mask they've put on this thing. F all the GOP. F that blubbering, bristling, frat boy judge. F McConnell, Ryan, Grassley, Collins, every one of them. F them for how they have shamed victims and helped dismantle democracy. Uh, they'll tell you to smile that we need to get back to business, that we got to heal the rift and blah, blah, blah. But that's the desire of a savvy bully who wants to stop, who wants you to stop crying after he hits you, wants you to not fight back, but you can cry and you can fight back. They can eat S, all of them. They can eat a boot covered in S. Winter is coming. You callous F necks. You prolapse a-holes. You grotesque monsters. You racists and rapists and wretched abusers. You vengeful petty horrors. He goes on. But that's the, that's the crux. 
Uh, if he only said those things, he would have been fired off that. There were other tweets that are deleted where he made some kind of a, an allusion to a story where he would kill Republican people, certain individuals, how he would do it, but it was supposed to be just a fantasy. Now, nothing that he said in these tweets has anything to do at all with Comicsgate. Not a single thing. He is talking about Brett Kavanaugh. He's talking about that whole thread of incidents that led to him being uh, sworn in as a Supreme Court justice. And he's talking about the, the culture that we have right now. That's what he's referring to. I don't understand how the narrative became about Comicsgate. I really don't. It has nothing I, to do with them. So I, I think one for, for Marvel, you know, that sort of that sort of language and approach to, you know, your own sort of beliefs is a bit, it's a bit, it's much, you know, you, you can, you can have opinions in ways that provide discussion or discourse, you know, you're not going to just go around and, you know, be an asshole. Dude, he could have said all of that stuff without calling someone a prolapsed asshole. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Like to, to start. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but, um, and so I think the decision to sort of fire him for that, I think it makes sense. I think that's that's fine, it, you know, and it, it, I think it was fair. Um, but as to connect it back to comic skaters sort of shows where he thinks that these people sort of live and lie and where their political beliefs are. And uh, I wouldn't want to assume, I'm, I'm going to assume they're shitty people, but I'm not going to assume that they're also, you know, Trump fans. And I'm not going to lump people together into these, just larger groups based off, you know, what I know about them as comic skaters who sort of ha helps stop the advance of comics, right? Um, so, this is, I don't know, I get it. And Marvel made the right move, I think. Hmm. See, that's where I get trumped up. I don't. I don't blame them for doing it. I don't also don't know that it was the right move because yeah, I, I, I think yeah. it sends a mixed message. I think, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm interested in, in that particular part of what you said, Marco, because I, 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 do, I don't know that I agree that it was the right move. What, what, I, what do you guys mean? I guess then it, it sets the bad precedent like that Marvel can fire people based off what they say. No, it's that like when, I, and again, I'm not, well, go ahead, Kill. I'm sorry. I would say I would say that is the precedent that is being set. Granted, I mean they're a private company, like I said, owned by a, a, a an individual who has you know very specific uh, political beliefs and and ideas. Yeah, he's conservative. Um, very specific, gross uh, ideas and beliefs. Wait, uh, no, I gotta stop kidding, you for one second. The, the the person who fired him was his editor. And he well, explicitly that, says that that editor was angry with him. Right. I But, I mean, you know, he also had to get approval for that. Like, he's not, you know. I, I don't know yeah. enough about how Marvel editorial works to say that. It's not, like, I, I don't think it would have had to go as high as Perlmutter. But I did, like, he wouldn't have, you know, like, Marvel is a big company. I don't think he would have had to have gone far he, like he would have had to have gotten a approval i think to sean's point it's it, it, the the takeaway for me seems to be that he 
was seen as a lightning rod and that he was bringing negative attention to the book and that was the reason he was fired. Which well, is a... That's fine. You know, like... If, I, yeah, you're right. If if Chuck Wendig was a Republican person and he said every single thing that he said in those tweets, but it was directed at liberal people, would you guys think that he should be fired? Yeah, I think so, right? Like, yeah. I think that's the thing is that the narrative would be different here. Um, And I think... I don't think it's a one-to-one comparison either, right? Like, the the difference between, you know, people who call anyone who doesn't line up with their politics like a libtard or something versus the, the you know, like, I, I do think that, like, the things he said about Trump and Kavanaugh, like, I, I agree with a lot of those things. And it's a matter of, I think he could voice his displeasure about those people in a way that's not going to get him fired. And that, that's what happened here. You know, I don't think it's what he said. I think it's how he said it. It's that he came out with a just string of vulgarities that like, if you said that at your job, if you went to your job at McDonald's or whatever and was like, well, fuck Trump. He's a, and Brett Kavanaugh's a fucking rapist. Like you'd get fired too. Even if your boss agreed with you. Cause that's not a, that's not a decent way to carry yourself at work. And granted, you can make the case that it's Twitter. That's not where he worked, but he's a public figure. You know, he's a writer. He's a, he's an entertainer who works for a company that politics are not right. That they, they're, there is somebody whose nut could get fucked with because he said what he said, how he said it. And that's why he got fired. I don't think it has anything to do with Marvel being sympathetic to right leaning people or anything like that, but. I do think that that's the narrative that's forming because of this, because of James Gunn, because they are a more conservative company. And well, I think that's not a good to, look. Well, to get back to the original question, why that narrative is forming is I I, I wouldn't doubt, and I, I, this is pure conjecture, I wouldn't doubt that there is an element of those uh, tweets in the hands of gators um who are you know shoving them in the faces of the people in charge similar to the to what happened with james gunn right we're outraged about this when really they just want to see this guy fired granted i i do i'm not arguing that you know eh, you know maybe he shouldn't have been fired i i i think i'm somewhere in between everybody but i you know I, I, I think I think that's where at least Chuck Wendig seems to sort of that's what he seems to be implying. That's the narrative he's trying to form here. So to to Sean's earlier point, just about like if this was you know it's sort of a conservative saying things about liberal uh, liberal ideas, right? Um, what was the artist's name from X Men? Um, uh, yes. Uh, I can't uh, remember. But I'll yes. look it up. But, but you like, remember the controversy Saif? with the cover. Adrian, Adrian Sayaf? X-Men Gold. Yes, Adrian Sayaf, yes. Yeah, so like, you know, we sort of supported that, I think, that he sort of put these things into this book that were offensive. And sure, it's not the same context, but you're sort of putting these ideas out into the world. And because of that, that's sort of the decision that Marvel's coming at it from, I think, more so. And you, yeah. you mean you mean we supported the fact that they that he was fired him. that he was fired yes. okay right okay. right and so flipping that to this 
to to what I said, I think it was the right decision. I think, you know, in that other context, we sort of saw it as the right decision. And in this one, looking through those sort of similar lenses, that similar lens, I think this was a a decision. And I think whether or not we we agree with it or not was potentially the right one on Marvel's choice, Marvel's part. I I, want to jump in because I I, I take issue with Chuck's decision to paint this as a comics gate yeah. Uh, yeah. Thing. yeah. problem. It, yeah. it just doesn't have anything to do with that. It really doesn't. And on top of that, I am not a, I'm not a Republican person. But if you are, right, let's say you are, you could be a well-meaning individual. You could be a good person. You could be an upstanding human. You just have conservative values that don't have to align with everybody that Wendig shouted out in his tweets. But when he says F next, right? When he says that, when he says F the GOP, I could easily understand why someone who is a Republican or a conservative person would take that personally. I I would even go that that part. I would say eh, that's probably a slap on the wrist at Marvel. It's the rest of it that I think yeah, is right. Like that's the thing is, I, it's one thing if you offend someone; it's another thing to like again, like you like the the level here that he goes in. It's like it hits like a childish point, you know, where he's like he's just slinging a stream of insults, yeah. you know, and like that's not constructive. That's not. And I'm and I'm not, and I'm not even taking the position of oh well you should do it in a way that's respectful or you should do this or you should do that. That's not even like the narrative I'm taking here. It's just that like this is not an acceptable way for somebody who's a public facing figure to act. And I think that anybody who is associated with somebody that would use this kind of language uh, out out the gate, you know, like when you're working for a company that's owned by Disney, it, it's just. It was a mistake. It was a mistake on his part. And again, this is the thing. If if him and I were having a drink together and he was saying this stuff at a bar somewhere, I fine. I'd chime right in, you know? But it's like you got to think about where you are and who you're speaking to and the fact that your words have consequences when you are a person with a platform. And And to the point that I was trying to make, those things that he said that are targeted at a certain kind of person – will lose Marvel buys on the book. And Chuck's job, part of his job, is to promote and sell books. And when you're doing the opposite of that, that's bad for Marvel. They want to sell comics. That's all they want to do. They don't care about your agenda otherwise. They don't. And they don't have to care. And I don't know that they should. I think that they they, they can and probably do sympathize with his point on some level but we're talking about a a company that has to sell comics to survive if james gunn stayed on guardians of the galaxy the movie still makes millions and millions and millions of dollars it's not an equivalent argument it's just not and and more and 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 disney still fired him because they thought it was a bad look and that happened a long time ago this happened a few days ago and I went through Chuck. Listen, I went through his Twitter, and I I couldn't really find that much promotion of the books. Yeah. Oh well, sure. Um, and that's another thing I, I want to add to sort of your point. You and I went through his Twitter, and you had to send me a, a snapshot somebody had taken of the tweets you read 
because he'd he deleted those and then he deleted apparently he deleted more so like i said it it looks like all it says is oh fuck the gop uh just a bunch of fuck necks you know but like he's worked his way to sort of craft this narrative that and I, like i uh, i'm sorry dude you're not james gunn in this scenario i, I yeah and i and I, and again i was a defender and am a defender of james gunn it's not because i like i i i'm not sympathetic to uh the individuals that um that chuck specifically called out that's not what this is it's not about that for me it's about the fact that you are supposed to be a professional person and that you have a job and responsibilities come with that job. And we're in 2018. In 1998, there was if you said this on a Yahoo chat room, no one would have cared. No one would have even known that it happened. But that's that's not the way the world works. And you don't get to have those kind of emotional outbursts in a public space. It just can't happen. If Chuck Wendig was out in the street yelling those things and someone recorded him doing it, he would have gotten fired too. That's that's the world that we live in now. And you have to be cognizant of that. And, you know, there are people who think it's wrong, but it is what it is, you know? And, again, like, this is pretty wild stuff. Like, right. he was he was deliberately creative with this stuff. Like, That's really the thing to drive home, in my mind. You know, is that, like, I don't, I, I really, at the end of the day, I really don't think this even has anything to do with politics or, or any of that stuff. It's really just a matter of, how he presented his feelings that he it seems like he was very upset which yeah, me too man uh but i didn't go on twitter and have a rant about it you know and, and you don't work for disney right and if i right but that's the thing man is like i intentionally don't rant on twitter like that because i want to be hireable you know and it's like i'm a 25 year old kid and like maybe i have the advantage of growing up with the internet and i think of it that way and i was taught that way in school that what you say on twitter is just as important as what you say in, but at the end of the day like you should know it at this point you know you're a public facing figure like you have to know that your words have consequences and like whether or not i agree with you on, as a person is irrelevant you know it's that like you can't just go on a fucking twitter tirade and expect that everything's gonna just be fine you know and, and and that's the thing, like, another part of this is, like, this doesn't feel like just a Twitter tirade. Like, he, like I said, this dude took the time, and he's a horror writer, too, as I understand. Like, this dude took the time to craft these, these specific words. Like, it's just, like, so much went into this, and it's just, like, what it... What did you think was going to happen? Like, I'm completely like, in line with that. I, I, I don't, I don't like that it happened. I don't personally. I think companies looking at people's social media. I think it's bullshit. But as we say, it is what it is. And man, like, this is like this is 101. Like. <laughs> And I think to the point that he made before, like the comic skate people that he's, you know, uh, rallying against, right? Like they're going to look at this as a win. I, so he, like, wa he fell, he walked right into their 
mouths. Like, so it's like, so who who did this really help? It just hurt him. Helped absolutely no one. And that's that's the shame. That's the real shame of it. All right. So obviously that was very uh, very weighty, and um, you know that's a conversation that a lot of people are having all over the social medias right now. But I want to talk about a little movie called Venom. Hell yeah. Venom. Venom. Oh, Venom, you saw it? <laughs> uh, Venom is Venom is cleaning house. Venom is. The box office. Markham, yes! yes! <laughs> My dude slaps! What did he say? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Marco and I just said the exact same thing in unison. We both just go, Venom is. <laughs> Venom is. Uh, <clears throat> the movie is doing incredibly well uh, at the box office. Uh, it's ta- it took the number one spot this weekend again uh, with $30 million. That was the projection uh, Saturday, so we don't know the exact numbers, but um, it's probably going to be number one again. Um, so that's great news, right? That's fantastic for, for the movie that I think Pete said something along the lines of uh, would suck, uh, would be a flop. And no, Sean, you're you're misremembering. That was Phil. That was remember? Phil. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that was Phil. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. My Me bad. being the biggest Spider-Man on the sh- fan on the show, I, I was all about it. You know, right, totally. right, yeah. Uh, so we, you know, we did our review, which you can go check out right now. Um, and we talked about the fact that it's not technically good, but it's a <laughs> lot of fun. We it's had a very really, enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, we had a really good time with it, and I think that that's kind of been the narrative post-release for this movie has just been that, you know, sometimes you go to the movies to have a good time, and that's all that matters, and this is one of those times. Venom is the biggest October opening ever. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That means nothing, because October movies typically open not so great. Lots of times, that's the horror slot. Horror movies are R-rated. They don't do as well. Uh, So maybe there are some geniuses working at Sony. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> mathematical geniuses yes uh, but but that's going to lead us into our main topic because Venom is a hit and that's you can't you can't argue with that the executives at Sony have wanted to make Venom a star for over 10 years that was the plan as far back as Spider-Man 3 that's why they forced Sam Raimi to put that character in the movie because oh. they yes they wanted a Venom spinoff movie to be the result. Interesting. They wanted, oh. Yeah, they wanted to have Spider-Man 4 and they wanted to have Venom. And Topher, Topher Grace. Grace. Topher Grace says yes. Venom still. Uh, <laughs> that was a choice, huh? That was a choice. And actually... Uh, I mean, listen, a- if you're if you're looking for uh, a leading man, Topher, you, Topher Grace isn't... It, at the time, at wasn't the time. a bad call. Yeah. No, it's just he was not a good pick for Eddie Brock. Like I'm not shitting on Topher Grace. It's just he's a he, his most notable role is as the skinny kid from that '70s show, and Eddie Brock <laughs> is supposed to be a big dude, the skinny boy next door. I mean, compared to Tobey Maguire, that Eddie Brock wasn't that bad. <laughs> Ooh. There's a, a very old rumor. I'm not saying this is true. I don't happen to know. Confirmed. But the, rumor, 
the rumor is that because this part is a fact, Sam Raimi did not want Venom in the movie, and he was pressured heavily by Avi Arad to do so. And that I didn't know he, that. Yeah, he agreed to do it, uh, but he cast Holfer Grace as like a fu type of thing. Oh, that part is the rumor part. That's the rumor part. Everything that else sucks. I said was fact. <laughs> we were just hyping him up. <laughs> <laughs> So, but but Sony got their win. They wanted us for 10 years. It finally happened. And that's wonderful. But what does it mean for the future of their Spider-Man properties? And what does it mean for their relationship with Marvel now, with Marvel Studios? Big questions. So we're going to start with this little tidbit. Jared Leto's Morbius film is going to start filming in February. Now that Venom has come out, Morbius is a go. There was a, you know, we knew that they they wanted to make it, but it wasn't sure when they were going to start. It wasn't, you know, we didn't know all that. Now they've announced it's starting in February of 2019. This movie is happening and it's probably going to come out with, I would imagine, within a year or so from that 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 point of filming. Uh on top of that, Craven is happening. It's a go. The Craven film is yes. absolutely happening. The writer of the movie will be Richard Wank. He is currently the one attached and he says that it's going to draw its influence from Craven's Last Hunt. Beep, 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 beep. Go check out He's, that book club. Yes, we did talk about that. He said the following. I'm just starring it. It's an interesting world. A great character. It's going to adhere very closely to the lore of Craven the Hunter. He's going to come face to face with Spider-Man. Keep that in your mind, what he just said. He's going to come face to face with Spider-Man. I'm just beginning it, beginning the process, and because it's a big IP, Marvel World, there's lots of hurdles to overcome before you can start writing to crack the right story and get the right tone. It's a new world for me, but what's nice about it is it's a very grounded character. He doesn't have a lot of crazy superpowers and things like that, so he's more grounded, and that's what I like to do. You have to look at everything just to soak it in. I think that we're all circling Craven, Craven's Last Hunt, and whether this is the precursor to that movie or will include it. He said, Spider-Man will come face to face with Craven. Okay, before you go on. Yeah. What what do we know about Spider-Man's deal with between Marvel and Sony? Thank you for asking the question, Kale. Good job, Kale. Because it should just be two more movies, right? It's actually two more movies. It is Avengers 4 and it is Far From Home. Now, it has always been the assumption, and I believe this to be correct, that they could extend the deal in whatever way they want, which would allow Marvel to continue to have Spider-Man. But the fact that Wenk is saying that Spider-Man and Craven will confront each other in Craven's movie means that at the moment, Sony is not planning to renew that deal. And in my opinion, and we'll break it down, and, and I want to hear what you guys have to say, I believe the reason for that is only because of the success of Venom. I don't disagree with that. That's that's not that's not outlandish. I don't think. So I I agree with the last point you made. I don't agree with the takeaway you made because of that point. 
I don't think that that means that they're not going to renew the contract. I think that they're going to play hardball when they renew the contract. Yeah. Because I think, I think, uh, there was a story that came out before Venom came out, um, which is a weird sentence, but, uh, <laughs> that was explaining that the, you know, we had all kind of assumed it was going to be an R rated film for some reason. And they had said that they wanted it to be PG 13 so that they could eventually have it crossover with Spider-Man. And I wonder if the success of Venom uh, will will basically be a bartering chip for Sony of being like, hey, if you want to keep using Spider-Man, that's cool, but our movies are going to keep coming out and you need to either ignore them the way you have been, the same way you do the Marvel Netflix stuff where it's, yeah, maybe it's in the same universe. Sure, yeah, it's there, whatever. But we're not going to actually have them cross over or they're going to try to force their hand in that way and be like, yeah, no, it's going to be part. Like, you have to let this stuff be in the ballpark if you want to keep using Spider-Man. So, Sean, to clarify, is the question that because Venom came out or because they were making Venom? Because Venom came out and was a big hit. Yeah, if Venom had flopped, I think we'd have a totally different conversation here. I think all these – all these they'd be shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic, you know? See, I would, I would agree, but – we heard about uh, Jared Leto's, you know, Morbius. We heard about all these movies prior to this, and m- maybe, but, maybe they're willing, more willing to double down on them. But I don't. That's think, what I think Sean's saying. Is that yeah? Or yeah are you I'm, saying is like directly be, like these movies came out directly because of, or are going to be coming out directly because of Venom? I'm I think it's saying, like Venom's a hit. Let's go. I'm saying if yeah. Venom doesn't, if Venom's not a hit, they don't say Morbius is, is shooting in February. Oh, I'm word. Saying oh, oh, oh if, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. If okay. Venom's not a hit, this guy's not saying Spider-Man isn't Craven. That's oh, what gotcha. Saying. Okay. If this yeah. wasn't a hit, Craven doesn't get made. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, Venom has an, a resonance that these other characters don't. You know? Like, Venom is a is a proven leading man. Craven, you know, um, even Black Cat, you know, whatever. Like, those characters. They're Spider-Man. They're, they live in Spider-Man's shadow. Like, Venom was able to kind of crawl out from that and do his own thing for the last like th- uh, yeah it's pretty good for the last like you know what like three decades you know like ever since lethal protector you know like he's had his own shit going on that often had nothing to do with spider-man so like there's stuff to pull from there whereas like with some of these other characters like uh, they're like how much source material is there for black cat that isn't directly a romantic subplot with spider-man you know like not much like she had a, a book with Wolverine once. She she had another one. She was in Heroes for Hire for a while, but it's like, you know, the the like st- like the reason that everyone's oh yeah we're thinking a lot about Craven's Last Hunt. Yeah, I wonder why. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, and and Pete, you had you had you had said that you felt like they would be emboldened by this, try to play hardball. I think so. I think you're right, but I think when you say that. I, I interpret that to mean cash because one thing that's not going to happen in my mind, and I could be totally wrong, I don't work for Marvel, is Marvel Wait, will – I know, crazy, right? Fuck um, this. What am I doing here? <laughs> Marvel will never agree to let Spider-Man appear in Sony movies and Marvel movies. When I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. So, so, so there's, and, and I'm going to plug this here because I think that, you, you know, everyone who's listening to this, if you really are compelled by this conversation, these guys had a much broader conversation than we could ever dedicate this show to. Midnight's Edge, 
they make videos where they kind of talk about the politics behind movies that get made. And they did a fascinating uh, series of movie or series of videos about Spider-Man and about Sony and Marvel's relationship over Spider-Man. It's unbelievable some of the things that happened to get these movies made and the reasons why they get made. Here's one that'll shock you. According to uh, that um, video series and the leaked emails that, that came out from Sony, the leaked email series, which if you don't know about that, that, for that alone, you should go check this video out. Avi Arad wanted to make Venom to spite... Uh, <laughs> he wanted to make... Venom to spite Marvel and specifically to spite Kevin Feige because Kevin Feige said that a Venom movie makes no sense without Spider-Man. So he wanted to prove him wrong. Can you imagine putting millions of dollars behind a film for that reason alone? What level My of dog. pettiness yeah. do you have? <laughs> Kale, I could see. <laughs> <laughs> but, you you never done listen to anything about anyone in Hollywood? Like my dog. Yeah. To be fair, that's also the story behind the Sony PlayStation. Was literally yeah. that Nintendo backed out of the deal and they're like, you know what? Fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of seems like Sony's MO. So so there's a there's a history there uh of them not having a great relationship. Oh, um, and also, sorry. Also, Kevin Feige basically took Avi Arad's job, right? Like, so that's another. That's actually what I was going to talk about next. I'm glad you brought okay. that up. Uh, Avi Arad and Kevin Feige actually used to work together. Um, Avi Arad, you guys might know this, might not. He was him and Ike Perlmutter came from, I believe it's Toy Biz, and that's where they made their their bread and butter. Avi Arad helped save both of them, quite frankly, helped save Marvel from being completely out of business. But Avi Arad became an executive producer on every Marvel movie that got made from that point forward. Kevin Feige was brought on to help with X-Men, to advise on the X-Men movie. They disagreed throughout that process. Uh, A lot of his notes were not used at all. Kevin Feige's, and they worked on several other movies before their relationship completely went kaput, and they stopped sort of speaking and working together. And so the job that Kevin Feige has right now is very similar to the job that Avi Arad used to have, except for the fact that there was no inner interconnecting of all the movies, because it didn't exist in the mid-2000s. Yeah, but he was he's actually the founder of Marvel Studios. Right. Yeah. But but like the job like the job that Feige has now, didn't which is the exist. head, didn't exist because there wasn't, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, right. Yeah, he was like a precursor to that. Exactly. So there's there's heat there, and that's why I'm saying I don't believe that Marvel will play ball with them beyond what they've done. Also, this is something that a lot of people don't know. Uh, uh, Amy Pascal, who works for Sony, tried very hard. To make people think that Venom would take place within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. She sure did. (laughs) And there's an interview that you can watch where Kevin Feige is looking at her crazy. Like, what are you talking about? And then she had to release a, a statement saying that that wasn't true. That that wasn't what they were doing. Marvel has tried very hard to not acknowledge the these movies having any kind of relationship with Marvel Studios films. 
Sony obviously very much wants people to think that there is a relationship, but they don't know what they're doing with Spider-Man. And that's the problem. And, and Marvel knows that. So based on that, I just, I got to disagree. I don't think that there's any way Marvel will allow them to have Spider-Man back in any kind of deal. Sony could say, well, screw you, we're keeping the character. But I don't think Marvel would sign any deal that would allow them to use, to, to both use the character. I Yeah, I I don't know, man. I, I, th- I think... I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense. The human element is something you can never ignore. But when money's on the table, I... Okay. I'll, I'll just finish that statement and then you can go. Um, but when money's on the table, I I feel like anything goes, you know? And we'll, we'll really just have to see. Because does Marvel want to play ball with Sony? I don't think so. But do they want to give up... Sp- do they not want to play with them enough to give up Spider-Man is the big question. And I think we're really just going to have to see. Like I'm I right now I feel like it's hard to say cuz I obviously uh was wrong about how the the way that Venom would play out. So I'm certainly not ready to say that these other movies don't have a chance, but I think my point about Venom having a resonance that they don't is a salient one. So I I think until we see, like, is Morbius a success too, you know, uh, is, like, if if we get to a point where their machine is working well and the movies are coming out and they're good and they can exist in their own kind of silo while Marvel gets to use Spider-Man and Spider-Man shows up for cameos in those movies or whatever, like, I don't think that's what they want, but I, I could see them seeing that as the lesser of two evils. Mm. Kel, what were you going to say? I think also uh, we should look at the um, the animated Spider-Man movie coming coming out too. I think that's going to that's gonna be indicative of a lot as well. Boy, are you right. Uh, I know. I think, <laughs> I think that everything that Sony has done since the failure of Amazing Spider-Man 2 has been extremely calculated. Um, uh, no, Am- Amazing Spider-Man, the the, the reboot. Uh, I think everything they've done since then has been very, very calculated. Here's a fact that you probably don't know, and a reason why I think Marvel has no reason at all to play games with Sony. Sony gave away the rights to sales for every bit of merchandise involving Spider-Man. So they make zero dollars based on any kind of the sales of toys of whatever. Marvel is making billions of dollars off of the name of Spider-Man when it comes to the toys and the, and, the, and and everything else, no matter what happens. So Sony would very much like to have the character back because if they get the character back, they may not be making that merchandise money, but they will be making that Spider-Man on film money. Don't they get a cut of the movies that Marvel makes, though? Of the movie with, with Spider-Man, you mean, right? Yeah, they get Homecoming and stuff. Yeah, they get a. I, I think they get a huge percentage of that. I don't yeah, remember like the exact. I, figure, I think but. it's that they have distribution or something like that. Like, they, yeah. it's a partnership between the two of them, and Sony is making a pretty penny on those. I'm pretty sure Marvel produces the movie, Sony makes the money, something like that. And in in 
in order to get the character in their films. It's it's some kind of crazy deal. Sony gets a kickback for doing very little. Right. Now, the other genius element of Sony is that Tom Holland has one more film on his contract after Far From Home. Oh. I was going to ask about this. Yeah, what does that mean for Tom Holland? Because his likeness right now is what's most associated with being a popular Spider-Man. Yes. Yes. So what happens is the following. If so, It's a joint deal. So if Sony says, all right, we're taking Spider-Man back now. Tom Holland owes Sony a film. And Craven? he could be in Craven. Wow. And because Tom Holland is playing Spider-Man, people will think... That it's a Marvel movie. Whoa, that's cool. The fucking long yep. con, man. Yep. <laughs> Brilliant. We'll see how it goes, man. I, I think I think there's something to what you're saying, though, for sure. And I, I think at this point, like, it's really just a matter of wait and see. We got to see how Morbius does. We got to see if they actually move forward with these other movies. We have to see whether or not this con- contract ends up getting renewed like there's so many balls up in the air but i think the narrative that you've laid out here makes a lot of sense do you guys think that based on venom that (laughs) (laughs) that sony understands how to succeed or did they get lucky uh i kind of think it was a bit of a luck thing like, I, I think you you tease it at the top that our whole takeaway was it's not really a great movie. It's an enjoyable movie. And I think the point I made earlier about these other characters not resonating as much as Venom, it, if the Morbius movie is the same level of quality as Venom is, I don't think it'll be a success. Or if it is, the next one won't be. And and I think it was strategic too like like you said they you know they planned an action movie in october when nothing else comes out in october except horror movies which are rated r and don't come out or or don't aren't you know counted as well they're not blockbusters usually right right so and uh, yeah i don't know man and to that point um they were very coy all throughout the promotion of this movie when people would ask the question is spider-man in it they would never say no maybe maybe i can't (laughs) answer that even ruben fleischer the director i don't i can't speak to that whatever a lot of moviegoers may have gone to the movie asking that question themselves and went to see what would happen marco do you think they got lucky or do you think that that venom represents them being able to pull this off again uh i think they got lucky i pete mentioned it like the, the, so the way we sort of ended our review was very much so yeah it wasn't great but it was good and and i don't think that is something when you're making a movie you aspire for it to be great or to aim for that you know gold mark and if we're coming out of that movie saying that yeah they didn't it didn't feel like that I would say no. I say they got lucky, but I think that the way that they've handled, based on the previous conversation, just that they've handled Spider-Man and that the way that they're sort of trying to weave him into potentially later projects, I think shows them maybe potentially reconsidering that sort of thought of, okay, let's just fart out a movie or not necessarily fart out a movie, but let's make a movie and let's make it 
okay, the next one has to be great because we have to make sure that it lives up to some sort of hype. I'll tell you what, what it doesn't seem like they lack vision. <laughs> nice. Ugh. Go ahead, Kill. No, never mind. <laughs> Good, let me get the last word. Well, in that case, I only have one question left for you guys. Does that mean? Adventure time! <laughs> it's time for the random oh. question of the week! We've never ended a show with one of these before. This is crazy. That's right. My question is very Whoa. simple. Whoa. <laughs> Other than Spider-Man, what movies would you want to see Sony make in the Spider-Man universe going forward? I'll go first. None, please. That's not an answer. <laughs> uh, uh, Clone Saga. Okay. Without Spider, it can't include Spider-Man. You can't. Oh, you can't oh, 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 oh. All right, all right, all right. Let me think then. I mean, whatever. Give me a Maximum Carnage because that's what we're getting for Venom Two, and like I liked Venom enough. I guess I'll go see Venom Two. I'm sure I'll feel the same way I did about Deadpool Two, where I'm like, well, that was more of the same, and I liked it a little bit less. So I'm ready for that. That's a heartbreak I'm already mentally prepared for. <laughs> I, Spider-Man 2099 would be cool. That would be cool. I like that. Change my hey, answer. That's way better. You know what's crazy? Uh, Sony had an outline for a series of movies that would include that. Oh, oh. yeah, that could that could totally fucking work. Like, yeah, because it doesn't have any connection to anything else. It's just like, yeah, it's in the future, whatever. Fucking yeah, cool. And we get the first Latin uh, superhero on screen, Miguel O'Hara. Yeah. We've never even had, like, a supporting player. Does it have to be Spider-Man tangential? Yes. Yes, of course. <laughs> you mean, you're really s- making me stretch my oh. knowledge here. <laughs> oh, ba- oh, Batman. Marco <laughs> <laughs> uh, doesn't know another Spider-Man character. <laughs> I don't know another one. I-, I know villains, but they're all Spider-Man villains. Yeah. That's well, what they're I mean, making movies yeah, yeah. about. I mean, a, a villain but, could work. But I thought we can't include Spider-Man. Right. That's right, the whole can't. problem, Marco. You know, Have you not been like, listening to me for two you know, years? Venom or no? I did, but uh, you, like, you've never seen a movie about a bad guy. Oh my god! This is. Can you just give me the mercy kill already, Marco? Just fucking. <laughs> I don't know in way he wouldn't be there. Hmm. Throw something out there, man. I mean, superior foes. Like what? That would be interesting. It would be the Suicide Squad of Sony. All right, I don't even know what me, that is. Give me a prequel about Vulture, where it's just him as just just an old man before he developed the flying suit. <laughs> oh God, he's going to like Howard Johnson's and shit. Like, <laughs> I'll take I'll take a Mysterio origin movie. Okay, great. All right, hey, that was on the docket too. Remember when oh. we talked about that? Marco doesn't know what he's fucking t- talking about. <laughs> he no, only knows that name because we talked about the movie. <laughs> but but what's interesting is that they were going to make that, and now he's in Far From Home. Uh, oh, yeah. Fuck, I forgot about that. Yep. That now, yeah. Huh, I mm-hmm. wonder how that one played out. So I wonder if they'll still make a Mysterio movie. There's some backdoor deals going on here, man. There's no way. 
Uh, my answer it's it's lame, but it's it's uh, Spider Man twenty ninety nine. I I think that would be the way to go. Um, either that or Ultimate Spider Man. Yeah, a Miles Morales movie I think would yeah. be good. That's really easy, and they're that already they're testing doing? the waters with the animated film. So, I yeah, I I don't see any issue with making it animated. I think that that'd do really well. Oh, this movie that they're making now is about to do crazy numbers. I yeah, think. it is. Yeah, yeah. It is. I'd be totally cool with them just keeping that train going. Like, just give us a series of Miles animated movies because the this looks awesome. So, hey, we ended a Sony topic on a positive note. Yet again, what's happening here? On what a show? weird world! Yeah. What a weird, wacky world. <laughs> so, uh, we would love to hear what you guys think about all of this. Uh, I think the story of Sony and Spider-Man is a fascinating one. And once again, shout outs to Midnight Edge on YouTube for uh, all the, the work that they did in putting every piece together. Um, what do you guys want to see Sony do next in their universe that does not include Spider-Man? Uh, I would love to hear from you guys on that. Or, of course, any other topic that we discussed on this or any other episode of the comics pals you can find us on soundcloud we are on apple podcasts uh, are we on google play we're on google play right yeah we're i think right. we're literally everywhere but spotify that's is, right so spotify is google play still a thing it it became something else but we're on it all right we're on that that too we're everywhere um you can get us at the Comics Pals, wherever your social media is sold. You can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com with a random question or buy or sell, or we can talk about anything you want to talk about. Um, Ryan chose to talk about a book club episode that we did, which we appreciate very much, so uh, you can write in about those as well. And of course, if you're on YouTube right now, you can like the video, share with your friends, drop us a comment, or what helps us out the most is subscribe to our channel. It's free to do, and it helps us out a lot more than it costs you, so... Hook us up with those subscribes, please. Um, and, of course, like I said at the top, we've got all kinds of New York Comic Con content up there um, and more to come. So you're really, really going to want to be tuned into that. If you like this podcast, getting to see us in, in a different light, doing interviews with creators who we really enjoy, getting us getting to see us do some funnier, different content, uh, lots of lots to love there. So head over there and check that out. Let's do some plugs. Pete. Thank you guys so much for joining us here on another episode of The Comics Pals. If you want to check out some more content from me, you can catch me over on our sister show, The Video Game Pals, with Sean. And, uh, you know, we talk about video games, as you might have guessed. Uh, I'm also on our brand new YouTube channel for The Video Game Pals, which is, um, you know, we've got our Let's Play show, Pals Play, Monday through Thursday with me and Thompson. Uh, we are playing some Mario Party this week, which was a goddamn blast. So if you want to go check us out, uh, we're doing the new Super Mario Party stuff. Go give that channel a sub as well. And uh, last but not least, you can catch me um, over on LootPots.com, where I do uh, Nintendo news, reviews. Uh, I host a podcast over there called The Potscast, which just had its third episode up. So if you're interested in hearing me talk more about the world of Nintendo, you can go uh, you know, give that page a sub and a like, all that kind of stuff as well. And then if you want to catch me on social media, I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, come talk to me about Venom, I guess. Awesome. Kale? You can find me on all of the social medias at Toto Into, that's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. And specifically, all social medias, I mean Twitter and Instagram. 
Don't find me on Facebook. Snapchat. Because I, I said so. No, I'm not on Snapchat. Reddit? I'm too old. I can't figure it out. No, I don't know Reddit. Tumblr? No, don't go to my Tumblr, please. Way, way too much furry uh, porn. <laughs> DeviantArt? Oh. Yeah. Um, I want to thank everyone once again uh, for donating to the Scream Shard Around the World Kickstarter. Um, it's very good. My dad got a copy. That's really cool. Um, I'm sure somebody else got a copy. I know my sidekick, Hawk, I, I did. Got a, I got one. Marco got one? Yeah. Hell yeah. What did you think? Uh, it was good. I didn't read it yet. You I fucking lied. tell me you got it. It was good. I didn't read it yet. Thank you. <laughs> Brilliance. You got more, Kale? No, that's all. All right. Marco? You can find me at Mr. Marco Animoto on Instagram and Twitter. Um, other than that, I'm going to be releasing my little short story uh, this week. So when this episode drops, it should be up. Whoa. Um, I yeah, swear. it was, uh, it was uh, a lot of fun. It was just a short little story on two women meeting. Um, and I'm just trying to get into the writing of it and trying to test things. So, um, yeah, hope you guys like it. Where can we find it? Uh, it's just going to be on Instagram. And then I'm going to try to finish up my um, building a site really quick. So I'm trying to see if I can post it on there. If not, it'll just live on Instagram since we can just like swipe through. We could also put it on like the website that we pay for if you want. That could be a thing. Oh, I could put it on the comicspals.com. There you go. That is the thing. <laughs> there you go. Very good. Uh, and uh, Phil's at Cyborg Bebop. Why you would go check his stuff out, I don't know. Uh, but uh, you can if you feel like it. Just watch Phil Me In. That's the best thing he ever yeah. does anyway because, yeah. you know, I get to control it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and as for me, I am on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Soapbox. Let's talk about Sony's weird Spider-Man situation because I think it's interesting. Uh, or Jean Grey. With that, we're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. I can't believe you would come in here and slip one past me, you son of a bitch. One mention of Jean Grey. God damn. See you next week. Bye.